Hello and welcome to the Women Inspire podcast with me, Laura Adams. This is the podcast that inspires us by honouring remarkable women past and present. Women whose achievements have perhaps gone unrecognised, been forgotten or at times completely erased and whose stories are crying out to be told. The world of women's tennis has been dominated in recent years by two sisters, Venus and Serena Williams, whose determination and courage has matched their strength and athleticism. They have broken boundaries and inspired a whole generation of young women, but who, may we ask, inspired them? Well, one of those was a quite remarkable trailblazer with a formidable legacy. For me, said Serena Williams, she was the most important pioneer for tennis. She was black, she looked like me, and she opened up so many doors. Her name was Althea Gibson. In this podcast, we chart the journey of a street fighter and high school dropout who challenged inequality and overcame so many obstacles to become the finest female player in the world and the first black champion at Wimbledon. Althea Gibson was born on August the 25th, 1927 in Silver, South Carolina, to parents Daniel and Annie, who scratched out a living as sharecroppers on a cotton farm. The Great Depression hit the southern states hard, and life was tough. At the age of three, Althea was sent to Harlem in New York to live with her aunt Sally, who sold bootleg whiskey. At the time, it was not unusual for children to be sent to live with relatives – but at some point she was joined by her parents and her younger brothers and sisters were born. School was of little interest to Althea. She found it impossible to sit still and she could play truant for days, preferring to spend her time with her friend Alma Irving, shooting baskets and watching movies at the local picture house. She would ride the subway all night to avoid returning home to the whipping she knew she could expect from her father. Althea was difficult to control and no one could make her do anything she didn't want. Her father, who taught Althea to box, was very strict and in his frustration he would beat her to the extent that on one occasion she spent the night at the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty for Children when she revealed to them the deep welts on her back. There were few parks in Harlem so the pavements were the children's playground. They would play out all day and in the evening be called in for dinner. One day she was wandering along 143rd Street when she picked up a paddle and ball and started to play paddle tennis. She was a natural, tall and lanky with long arms. She was soon winning match after match and became known as the best player on the block. At this time of her life though any sport would do, boxing, softball and basketball. She joined a basketball team with some friends and they became known as the Mysterious Five. And while she may have rebelled against the discipline of school, she never failed to turn up for a game, and they played several times a week around the city. At the age of 18, she moved into a friend's apartment, and took various jobs from elevator operator at the Dixie Hotel to waitress. After work, she'd play basketball and go bowling into the early hours of the morning. It was a very happy time for Althea. But her life was soon to change. One day, as Althea bounded round a sidewalk playing paddle tennis, beating any opponent, male or female, who came up against her, a bandleader and recreational supervisor named Buddy Walker spotted her and was impressed. He decided she needed to try the real thing, so purchased two second-hand rackets and started to give her lessons. 
Althea had never seen or played a real game of tennis in her life, but she picked up the game quickly and soon found herself at the Cosmopolitan Club, New York Centre of Black Tennis. Her raw talent was quickly spotted and the club sponsored her, paying for membership and buying her rackets. In return, she worked for them, retrieving balls, laundering towels and helping out in return for lessons. African Americans were not allowed at the all-white country clubs in the US, so the American Tennis Association, or ATA, had been set up to give them the opportunity to play tennis. Althea entered her first ATA tournament in 1942, and just a year after picking up a racket for the first time, she won at the New York State Open Championship. She was an aggressive and competitive player, with a confidence that bordered on arrogance. Throughout her career, she would be convinced that in this very white-dominated sport, the spectators were against her. Whilst this was often driven by prejudice, Althea's desire to win and occasional histrionics after the match when she lost did not endear her to everyone. By 1944, Althea had emerged as the best female player in the ATA juniors. Her technique was still lacking, but she had a powerful serve and was a formidable athlete. She won the ATA Junior Championships in 1944 and 1945. Althea met the boxer Sugar Ray Robinson for the first time in the winter of 1945. At the time, boxing was one of the few sports in which blacks could compete on an equal basis with whites. He would win his first championship the following year and go on to become one of the greatest boxers of all time. On encountering him on a night out, Althea challenged him to a game of bowls and from then on they were firm friends. Ray Robinson's wife, Edna, remembered later how insecure she appeared. Ray Robinson worked to bolster Althea's confidence and encouraged her growing interest in jazz by buying her a saxophone. He became a major influence on Althea's life. In 1946, Althea entered the ATA National Championships. Though she lost in the final, she came to the attention of two doctors, Dr Walter Johnson and Dr Hubert Eaton, who were keen to promote black athletes. Althea's technique was still poor, yet her talent and flashes of brilliance were undeniable. They recognised that she was the most naturally gifted black player of either gender, possibly in the history of the game, and that she may just have the talent to be the first African American to integrate the world of tennis. By now, World War II was at an end and black servicemen had arrived back from Europe having experienced a more equal existence. ATA executives had been talking about the possibility of one day integrating the major white tournaments and the two doctors told Althea of their vision of an integrated future and asked her if she would like them to support her in her ambitions. So she moved to Wilmington, Carolina with them and embarked on a journey which would change her life. She would later pay tribute to them for their encouragement and credited them for giving her the opportunity to travel around the US playing tennis and gaining the valuable experience she needed to advance her game. In Wilmington, she became acutely aware of segregation, which came as a shock. And not only did she have to live with racial segregation, but she found attitudes to women were very different and she was expected to conform to a restrictive view of femininity. The plan was for her to win an athletic scholarship to a black university, so she went back to school, having to enter in a lower-grade class as she had missed so much schooling in New York. 
Her summers were spent on the ATA circuit playing tennis and she won three tournaments in a row. On court, Althea was prone to moodiness, only happy when she was winning. When she lost, she would sulk for hours. It was not just tennis, but in any competitive game, her will to win topped everything. Eaton recognised that this single-minded determination to win was the mark of a champion. In 1949, Althea graduated from Wilmington High and she entered university in Tallahassee, Florida, on an athletic scholarship. As there was no women's tennis here, Althea practised with the men, although she was not allowed to compete with them against other schools. At 5 foot 11 inches tall, she had developed one of the best serves in women's tennis and combined strength with an athleticism rarely seen in the women's game before. The time now felt right to begin the assault on segregation in tennis. It was white tennis player Alice Marble, an inspirational woman in her own right, who contributed greatly to the desegregation of American tennis by writing an editorial in support of Althea for the American Lawn Tennis magazine. If Althea Gibson represents a challenge to the present crop of women players, it's only fair that they should meet that challenge on the courts, and that if she were not allowed to compete, then there is an ineradicable mark against a game to which I have devoted most of my life and I would be bitterly ashamed. Althea was given entry into the 1950 US Championships, becoming the first African-American player, male or female, to compete in a Grand Slam event. It was the most prestigious tournament in the country. Although she lost in the final, it put her firmly on the map and she was on her way. Now those who coached and sponsored Althea had their sights set across the Atlantic. They wanted her to smash the biggest racial barrier in tennis. The plan was for her to play at Wimbledon. As women did not play professionally and did not have sponsorship deals at the time, Althea needed to raise the money to travel to Wimbledon herself. The boxing legend, Joe Lewis, held a fundraising dinner for her and encouraged others in the black community to support her. And so it was that in 1951, Althea became the first black player at Wimbledon. She lost in the third round, and whilst this was a personal disappointment, she was already blazing a trail. By the following year, she was seventh in the national game and was continuing to break barriers. Having started work as a PE teacher in Missouri, she continued to play amateur tournaments and by 1955 the government decided to send her on a six-week tennis tour of Asia. Here, for the first time, she found she was free of the racism she faced daily in the US. When the tour finished, she decided to remain overseas and played matches against some of the best players in the world, which helped to improve her game. At a tournament in New Delhi in 1955, Althea met Angela Buxton, a woman with whom she would share a remarkable friendship. As the only black player in the top echelons of tennis, she was disillusioned with the racism she faced continually and was thinking of giving up altogether. But Angela and Althea came together to forge a formidable doubles partnership. Angela was a white British woman whose grandparents were Russian Jews who had fled the pogroms in the early 1900s. She endured prejudice herself, so the two understood each other. When I came on the scene, said Angela, the other players wouldn't speak to Althea, much less play with her, quite simply because she was black. She was completely isolated, and I was too because of being Jewish, so it was a good thing we found one another. 
In 1956, Althea and Angela won the doubles titles both at the French Open and at Wimbledon. That same year, Althea became the first black player to win the singles titles at the French Open and at Wimbledon reached the quarter-finals. Finally, in 1957, Althea Gibson won the singles title at Wimbledon. The street kid from Harlem, a black woman, had done it. Through grit, self-belief and with the support of those who believed in her, she had won the most prestigious title in the white-dominated world of tennis. Her pride on receiving the Wimbledon trophy from Queen Elizabeth II can only be imagined. And that night at the winner's ball, she wore a dress made for her by her friend Angela Buxton. Althea arrived back in New York to enjoy a ticker tape parade. And a month later, she won the US Nationals at Forest Hills, the precursor to the US Open. The following year, she successfully defended both the singles and doubles titles at Wimbledon and her singles title at the US Nationals. She was the top-ranked female player in both years and named Female Athlete of the Year by the Associated Press. It was not all plain sailing, however. The black community criticised her for not being more vocal about race relations in America. Althea admitted to the press that she was not a racially conscious person and that she just wanted to play tennis and let her game speak for itself. However, those who sponsored her saw her as a champion for her race and were unhappy with her stance. They wanted her to speak out. Whilst Althea was at the peak of her sporting career and having won more than 50 singles and doubles titles, she made the decision to retire from amateur tennis. She had been funding her tennis by donations and money was tight, so she now started to make money playing exhibition matches and playing in tournaments with prize money. She decided to turn her attention to music and began to sing. She took up the saxophone again and was very talented. She released an album called Althea Gibson Sings in 1959. She appeared on The Ed Sullivan Show and made several other television appearances. She worked as a sports commentator and published her autobiography, I Always Wanted to Be Somebody, in 1960. However, she realised that her ability to make money on the professional circuit was limited and recognised that the white players she was thrashing on the court were picking up offers and invitations that had not been extended to her and that her triumphs on the court had not destroyed racial barriers in the way that she had hoped. In 1964, at the age of 37, Althea became the first black woman to join the Ladies' Professional Golf Association Tour. In golf, she found she faced the same racial barriers that she had faced in tennis. Many clubs refused to allow her to play, and even when she was allowed, she would often have to change her clothes in the car, as black women were not allowed in the clubhouses. She was ranked as high as number 27 on the tour, and though she earned less than $25,000 in her golfing career, she broke several records before retiring in 1978. It wasn't the end of Althea's sporting career, however. In 1976, when she was nearly 50, she entered the television competition Superstars, which pitted professional athletes against each other. She won the basketball shooting and bowling and came second in softball throwing. In 1987, she attempted a comeback in golf at the age of 60. 
but sadly this time she was unable to qualify. In spite of this, she continued to break barriers, becoming the first woman in the country to hold the title of State Athletics Director in New Jersey, though she resigned the following year, saying she didn't want to be a mere figurehead. In 1977, she ran for State Senate in New Jersey. She didn't win, but acquitted herself admirably. In 1992, at the age of 65, she suffered two cerebral haemorrhages and a stroke. Living alone, she found she was unable to afford medical treatment or even her rent. She reached out to various tennis organisations to ask for help, but she was met with a stony silence. So she got in touch with her old friend Angela Buxton and told her that she was calling to say goodbye. Angela was determined to do something and she sprang into action. She wrote a letter to Tennis Week magazine describing Althea's plight and asking for contributions. Money poured in from around the world and Angela managed to raise nearly $1 million to help her friend. Her actions would encourage Althea to go on living for another 10 years. She literally saved her friend's life. But early in 2003, after complications from respiratory and bladder infections, Althea died at the age of 76. Having been twice divorced, she was buried in New Jersey close to her first husband. Althea's legacy is huge. She broke boundaries and through drive and talent changed the status quo for African-American tennis players. It would be 1971 before another woman of colour would win a Grand Slam, when Yvonne Goulagong took the trophy at the French Open. After that, it wasn't until Serena Williams won the US Open in 1999 that another African-American won a Grand Slam event. Player and coach Bob Ryland said of her, she's one of the greatest players that ever lived. Martina couldn't touch her. I think she'd beat the Williams sisters. Venus herself said, her accomplishments set the stage for my success and through players like myself and Serena and many others to come, her legacy will live on. In 2019, a statue in Althea's honour was unveiled at the US Open. Her 85-year-old doubles partner, Angela Buxton, was present. It's about bloody time, she said. Thank you for listening to the Women Inspire podcast. If you'd like to know more about Althea Gibson, please see the show notes on the podcast page of our website, womeninspire.co.uk, where you can also read about our latest events and read our blogs. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and help us spread the word to anyone who would be inspired by these incredible women. Join me next time to hear the story of the music hall entertainer who became England's most dangerous suffragette. In the meantime, all the best until then.